This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club you know on FUBAR Radio. I say that bit didn't work and then you can like make it better for the album um <laughs> well you uh, this is f- f- um fan club fan club five star fan club it's five you're listening it's friday and you're listening to live it's live on friday and you're listening to five star fan club yeah live uh, yeah. My, my name's nick helm um, and uh, guess who's in the house? It's none other than Nathaniel Metcalf! <laughs> yeah, this is a good start. Yes, can we get one Five of them uh, noises? Uh, can we get one of them klaxons, please? Yeah, um, oh, do you have one? Yeah, it's just going to come and show me where the oh, button is. Oh, I bet is that is klaxon. too loud in this small room. Uh, do you have a klaxon button? Do we have a klaxon button? I mean, come on, we must have a klaxon. We must. We've got gunshot and cock. <laughs> We've got. <laughs> We've got applause. How can we have the sound effect of a gunshot and cock? <laughs> yes, Airhorn. Yeah. Airhorn. Airhorn. Nathaniel Metcalf in the I think this is the best one we've done. I think this is five-star fan club. Already five-star. Classic five-star wow. fan club. We always get there by the end. Fucking But we are at five-stars, like, within a minute. This is bog standard. This is, like, this is exactly what we always do. Deliver a million percent quality. <laughs> that is same old, same old, same shit, different day. Yeah. But it's always Friday, unless it's a podcast, and then it's up to your or, discretion. Or a pre-record. Or, we do them on any other Or day. a pre-record. We've done so many pre-records. <laughs> I, said, I, t- I tweeted it, because it just, but like, not that it was an interesting tweet. I've come off Twitter, because, but then everyone just assumes that Twitter is just a part of doing gigs and leaving their house now. Some people say, um, oh, and to just share it all on Twitter, which are, or social media, or whatever. And you go, I've, do you know what? I'm trying to improve my life. And don't drag me back into the Twitter game <laughs> just because you've got a gig that you need promoting. Um, although, you know, uh, I do regret that when I turn up and no one's there. Um, <laughs> quite the uh, quite the existential eye-opener. What's it all about? What's Alfie? it for? Alfie um, Zenpad. See, it's really good. Really <laughs> Five stars! Yes! Yes, um, I had a joke that was... Oh, yeah, but I can't tell it you on air. <laughs> I had a joke. I told someone a joke in the week, and they didn't laugh, and I was like, do you know what? There's only one person in the world that would find that funny, and it's Nathaniel Metcalf, because it was a really good joke, and they said it's just too clever. And I said, it's not clever, it's a really good yeah, joke. Like it's a really joke. good joke. Really like it, was, it was sort of clever, but, um, but yeah. Uh, um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you when we play a song. Oh, um, Oh, that's terrible for the listeners, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but it's, I mean... I well, better I'll rile them up. I don't... <laughs> absolutely true. Absolutely livid. Climbing um, the walls, they are now. Yeah. All the listeners, all 80,000 of them. Yeah, there's two... Scraping the walls, uh, climbing the walls. That's no, why I don't know. Wanting this, to hear the joke. This, uh, this content is too hot for radio. Hello. Not e- it's, it's too hot <laughs> even, even for FUBAR. 
fucked up be all recognition. It's fucked so up fucked up. Beyond all recognition. Beyond all recognition, yeah. Fucked up be all recognition <laughs> is what you said. I mean, we've been doing this for over a year now. Be all recognition. Be all isn't even be all. I think it, it's the first time you said it. Who fucked up beyond all recognition. That makes more sense, to be fair. And I, I mean, I feel now that... Uh, that not only have I been doing the majority of the heavy lifting, but you haven't even learned the name of the radio station that we're working for. That's unacceptable. I call it uh, by its acronym F-U-B-A-R Radio. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. Where, where, you're listening to F-U-B-A-R Radio. Yeah, that's what everyone calls it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. F-U-B-A-R Radio. Yeah. Live. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you're listening to F-A-N-C-L-U-B with me, N-I-C-K-H-E-L-M-I-N-D. N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L-M-E-T-C-A-L-F-E. Is it radio? No, not really. Um, so, right, I, I did... Technically, I, What was is. I saying? Oh, yeah, there was a joke. I can't remember. Anyway. Can't tell you a joke. Can't tell you the joke. Um, but, uh, yes, five stars never... Imagine a really good joke, guys. Uh You'll be getting pretty close to what I said. <laughs> uh, but the difference between your joke is that it wasn't what your mate Terry told you down the pub. I imagined it myself. And it came right out of my mouth. But uh, it's hey. too hot for broadcast, guys. Hey. <laughs> this is five hey, minutes. Hey, Nick. Five minutes. Nick. <laughs> what? Why is Nick? Why is the first rule? First rule of fan well, club. Fan club. Yeah, First rule of fan club is tell your friends about fan club. Oh, yeah. If you friend. if you can be bothered, can some people not be bothered? <laughs> um, no, I think most people can be bothered. <laughs> 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 and then the second rule of fan club is please, please just just tell your friends. It's selfish, otherwise, isn't it? Keep to yourself. A little ray of. Um, I don't know. I'm enjoying some five star entertainment, but I'm going to keep it for myself. <coughs> yeah. I want anyone else to enjoy it. Sure, oh, I liked them before they were popular. Well, yeah. thanks to you, we never were because <laughs> you didn't tell your friends. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh. So, no one, no one appreciated Van Gogh within his own lifetime, did they? <sighs> Hence the ear. It's true, yeah. And he'd be no good on the radio because headphones. These yeah, headphones. Yeah, these yeah, bloody yeah. headphones. They would uh, sting. So <laughs> that would absolutely sting, right? So, what have you been a fan of this week, Nathaniel? Well, I've been a fan of. I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed. I was watching. Uh, I saw you on um, Harry telly. Hills. Uh, oh, saw me on telly, did you? Yeah, saw you yeah. on the telly. Yeah, he's back, baby. That's right. Harry Hills Alien <laughs> Fun Capsule. <laughs> I watch that. Such a brilliant show. Alien Fun Capsule is incredible, I think. I mean, uh, so. um, It's a great format, and it's it's like there's like millions of jokes packed into it, and it's so silly and just. And I was really taken away. Like, why? I think there is a sort of weird. prejudice about against ITV or just something that's early evening and for everyone that you just go no one talks about this but it's so much funnier than all the shows people say are funny oh yeah it just feels I mean, it's like funny. So there's no agenda to it other no. than to just be silly for yeah. half but silly does it in a, in, like so um, what probably just over a year ago a year and a bit ago um, I saw um the, uh, I think the second series started or something but anyway I downloaded it all and um, 
uh, I've watched the Anna, there's an episode in the first season with Annika Rice in it and I was sat on my own in the daytime uh, in my flat on like a Wednesday <laughs> daytime and I watched this one and I just I lost my mind I was just I was <laughs> laughing so hard there were tears running down my eyes I was grabbing my hair just like going, oh my god oh my god and then someone and it's kind of like this is not an insult uh, but it's sort of like disposable TV you know yeah and um, uh, or that's kind of like not it's sort of like you watch one and then you watch the next one but it's not like a sketch show it's a panel show and mm. so it's kind of like it's um, but I like and I don't watch a lot of things again even stuff I enjoy but I met, I forced people that came around my flat <laughs> to watch it with me, and I was just like, "Look at how fucking funny!" But the Anna Rice one in the first series is incredible. Um, and uh, I filmed, I filmed something with Harry Hill last year, and when I went in and did it, I just was going on and on about how much I loved it. And so, I don't know if that had anything to do with me doing it, or maybe, but. Um, yeah, it was it was a nice day, really nice day. To, it know, looks like a fun it. thing to do, but it's almost like you're you're doing it and you're watching it. It's like being in the telly. Yeah. So you're watching it happen, and I've met Harry a few times, and um, and we've done gigs together and stuff like that. Not you know, he's always been he's been doing sort of like new material, at always be comedy and, and stuff, and then um, and he's been really supportive and nice and all of that stuff. But um, he's yeah, he's a nice guy. But um, you but you're watching it, and it's like you're yeah, it's like you're watching him in the telly, and then you sat. I was sat next to Jenny Bond, and it was just like, and then there was Patrick Mower on yeah. the other side. Um, it's things like that. It's almost like the choices of guests. So when you're watching it, you go, "Look, all these people are in the same room." It's weird, and it's just a weird, like, uh, like you don't really know what you're watching. It feels like it's sort of, it feels wrong, and it's got it's not it's not the booking policy that you have on regular TV shows like that. The guests you have on are completely... Could be anyone. Yeah, but that was what was... That's what was, Anyway, so you, but you're there, and then it's almost a shame that you've got to join in. Because you're just like, oh, I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. Because everyone's enjoying it, and then you get... So, but yeah, it was really... Yeah, really, really good. It's really sad. Um, but yeah, so I, I, when I used to work... No, I didn't really. My mate used to do... Um, uh, work backstage at the Auburn Arena in St Albans pantomime and Patrick I think and I'm pretty sure it was uh, Peter Pan and my mate got me some work experience when I was like a teenager and Patrick Moe was uh, I, I keep wanting to say Patrick Marber Patrick Moe was the because um, he was of course in Carry On uh, England? England Carry On England yeah um which was uh, I watched that a lot. It's one they used to show it a lot. It's like it's one of the worst ones, isn't it? By far, well, it's one of the later later ones. <laughs> it was like it was seventies, yeah. Um, and they tried to replace all the cast, didn't they? Like younger people, mm. but it's just like like it's, it's sort of a very odd film. Um, I'm not sure. It's got Kenneth Connor in it. Yeah, and it's about there's two barracks of there's the male barracks and the girls barracks. There's the male. And the female barracks, and and basically they're all sex obsessed. And then you got Kenneth Connor who's trying to stop them from meeting up with each other. So they dig a tunnel, and it's all that stuff. They try and basically 
get over barbed wire and stuff like that so that they can have sex. Um, yeah, and I was three when I watched it. <laughs> three when my parents taped it for me and uh, let me watch that on uh, repeat. Um, totally inappropriate, yeah. But um, anyway, so he was working, he was Captain Hook um, in the pantomime and uh, there was one day and his wig fell off and then by... By like Thursday, it was like a fifteen-minute routine where his wig kept falling off, and he was just like, "Oh no, my wig's falling off!" And then it went on and on and on. People loved it. Yeah, that's how. That's how. Yeah, that's what I, how I developed my Edinburgh shows. But that is how I developed <laughs> yeah, yeah, my no, Edinburgh shows. It was it kind is. of like that's um, what I mean. You sort of find something. Someone laughs at something. And you go, "Yeah, that that's tomorrow. going in tomorrow." <laughs> when I did my Russian roulette team, that, oh, yeah, yeah. that was just me playing Russian roulette with the Lazy Susan. That ended up being uh, half the show as well. Didn't that it? was About twenty minutes. It was like twenty-five minutes, twenty <laughs> minutes of me just like playing Russian roulette with the person, and I, I forgot that it was that long, but it was so fucking long. I could I could do it for forty-five minutes, but there was sort of like every time it got to a point halfway through the run that every time I opened my mouth, it was a joke. And that was just because through trial and error, and then you just remembered the things that work every day, and then oh, that's one of my favourite things I ever did. That's how, I, yeah, that's how I always sort of like not look down on it, but it was just like, no, oh, that's a, oh, he's doing fifteen minutes now, isn't he, with the wig? But it's like it got laughs, and fucking hell, this, it's just like I don't think anyone's in the uh, in the audience going, oh, I wish they'd stick to the text. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone there with the script, it's like, oh, I've actually brought a GCSE group of, uh, <laughs> to watch this. Pack. Patrick, GCSE uh, drama, Captain Hook, Peter Pan script, and this yeah. is not the. Um, yeah. This is not happening. This it's not really uh, very respectful to the character of Valley Bongo. <laughs> um, so, and now you look back and you think, yeah, well, we're all Patrick Meyer, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, the Mower Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so... so the Patrick Moore man. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Eddie and Fun Capture is a really great show. Yeah, and how was Patrick Moore? Oh, I, I, I like Patrick Moore a lot. I'm always there. Uh, um, uh, yeah, he was nice. Um, but, um, like, uh, I mean, he did all like, the singing and dancing. I mean, we got there in the day and did all the singing and dancing. And then uh, later on, um, we do the... But you have, like a run through and then you film it and then it's so like oh my god it's so stressful and but yeah um but the whole series is great it's like what you say it's kind of like non-pretentious yeah no, no aspirations other than to make you laugh and, it's it's not even, of, and that's rare yeah that's it's really not even rare. it's not even non-pretentious it just is what it is it's just like uh oh what, how can i do a really funny half hour and I'll do, oh, that's a good idea, and I'll put this in, and I'll put this, and it's just, we'll show well, these clips. It's mainstream, in. but it's also subversive. And, oh, absolutely, um, it is. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just like, I mean, talk about non non-pretentious. It's mainstream, and yet also somehow subversive. Yeah, we're putting too much onto this. It's, but it's, no, but it's sort of like, funny it's a really funny show, but it's not just sort of like empty, vacuous no, shit. No, 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 it's no, like, no. But, oh, it's, it's great, it's brilliant. Um, anyway, um, so yeah. Aside from that, what else have you been a fan of? Uh, I saw the film. I went to the Prince Charles Cinema, and uh, the other day, and I saw Inherent Vice. Oh, the Paul Thomas Anderson film. Oh, right, with um, uh, Joaquin jo Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin. Yeah, Joaquin. You must be Joaquin. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's playing the Jaiqua at the end of the year. Do you hear? The Waka. The Waka. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Oh, beg your pardon. Yeah. Um, so, right, so... Uh, I, 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 um, it's a long film, and it feels like a long film, but I did enjoy it. Is Owen Wilson good in it? Yeah, Owen Wilson's Owen Wilson and spends the whole film whispering. So I can barely... There are bits of it where you're going, I can't actually really hear you. Is this Paul Thomas Anderson uh, having fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's having fun, but it's also long, so it has that thing where it's like, uh, a lot of lot of fun in this film, isn't it? <laughs> it gets a bit like that. Oh. It's, but it's also like... what? what it, is it unwieldy? It's No, do you know what? It's actually... It's pretty is good. Is it unwieldy or unwieldy? Unwieldy, isn't it? Unwieldy. 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 You, you spoke into the microphone then, Nat, but... Um, well, she, I mean, she just said Nathaniel is correct, but I mean, I must have been half right because I gave you the options in the first place. <laughs> it's um, no, it is. It is like, I, I like it. It's got, it's got that sort of quite. Uh, it's a really interesting sort of idea of LA that's really appealing. Sort of, uh, I say, early seventies LA, and it all feels like I like this sort of. It's got very nice tone and feel about it mm. and it's like you know it's like a detective story but with some sort of funny stuff in it but there's lots of serious uh, bigger complicated issues so it's not really like uh, Paul T- Thomas <sighs> doesn't feel like a Paul Thomas Anderson film but the closest thing it's like is, is it like The Big Lebowski it's a bit like The Big Lebowski but it's got serious stuff in it yeah have you heard they're doing a fucking John Turturro's doing yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did that get announced this week? I think. I, well, I I heard it properly announced this week. What's it called? The Jesus. It's called Jesus Rolls. Jesus Rolls, and um, or Jesus, I guess. Jesus. I mean, so uh, John Turturro is he writing and directing and starring in a spin-off from The Big Lebowski? Oh, it's not the Coen Brothers doing it. No, I don't think so. Well, there was nowhere in any of the breakdowns that uh, said that it was a Coen Brothers film. Oh, how funny. And it was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've just had to do this with the character. And I guess because he's been in loads of Coen Brothers films, they've got no interest in doing like a spin-off or a sequel to one of their Yeah, films. that's why, because I thought it was like a really interesting, sort of weird thing that they would have chosen to do, because it feels kind of not really th- what they would do. I fucking hope they put Tara Reid in it. Because she went around telling everyone that they were making a sequel and then everyone kind of like left her hanging and it was kind of really <laughs> embarrassing. So it would be really nice out of, a, out of good faith to put Tara <laughs> Reid in it. But they won't, will they? Because she's in Sharknado 7 or whatever. But it would, I would have thought that that would have been a nice like gesture. But um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's, a weird it's a weird project. Because it was originally based on a French film. It was like a French sex farce from the 70s. What was? The G- Jesus Rolls. Oh, so it's an adaptation of a farce? Well, uh, John Turturro saw this French film. Have you got the... Oh. Wait. Oh, yeah, Coen Brothers' involvement uh, is giving Turturro permission. The Coen Brothers' only involvement is giving per- permission, yeah. So a, a while ago, he uh, floated... I can't remember what the name of the film is there, but a while ago he floated the idea around... Um, um, uh, and it's basically it was about a road trip or uh, no it was a crime thing there were two criminals that commit a crime at the robber bank or something and then this is the French film and they go on a road trip with a woman and uh, they both compete on uh, who can give her an orgasm and then 
now it's uh, 2019. So that was sort of like announced in 2016, maybe. And then a lot's happened. And then it's just like, this isn't the best. And now he's kind of like... Uh, set, um, so he's basically doing a remake of a French movie. Well, I don't know if that's still the plan. Well, that says a story was inspired by Oh, characters. yeah, going... Oh, who's... Yeah, French director. Yeah, going places. So um, so I guess they're still doing that. But he's... Uh, the twist is that obviously Jesus is an idiot. But he's also uh, a, a, a pedophile. <laughs> so... Um, so it's kind of like a bit of a weird hero. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but it's weird to do a remake of a French movie. No, because I think, that, I think that it's not a remake of a French movie. They've basically taken the plot and the story of a film uh, that uh, no one has seen that he obviously really loves. And he's kind of like giving it a... Hmm. But then not to go... A spin. Oh, could I do a remake of this maybe? He's gone and I'll use... Or a character from another film I'm in. I don't find that weird at all. I think that, that sort of thing, that sort of thing, happens, right? I suppose. Um, but uh, but because of you know the change in political landscape, uh, that is kind of they're using. I guess his character has always been an idiot, though. But the, it's kind of like it's about um, idiot uh, two idiots that are trying oh. to, to uh, conquer a, a woman. He's great as well. He's great in Josh just Tiro's about everything. Josh amazing, yeah. He's, he's, he's My favourite film he's in is probably uh, The Ridiculous Six. <laughs> great extended, maybe 15, 20-minute sequence halfway through a two-and-a-half-hour film. Uh, two-and-a-half hours? Where they learn how to play baseball, yeah. Or he invents the rules of baseball, yeah. It's an amazing moment in cinema history. Or Netflix Why history. two-and-a-half-hours? Ridiculous Six, it's so long. And maybe it's two hours, five minutes. Right. But an <laughs> Adam Sandler film shouldn't be longer than say, 98 so minutes. <laughs> so is Inherent Vice, and I was like, this is too long. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous <laughs> Six is very long, but it feels so long. Because there's no jokes in it, but, you know. <laughs> there's no jokes in Ridiculous Six? No. Wow. It's, a, it's. I mean, it's just... It's a, I mean, I love Adam Sandler. It's such a deeply unfunny film. <laughs> and it's got such an amazing cast. It's got at least half of the cast of Reservoir Dogs in it. And then the other half made Hateful Eight. It's kind of like... It's, it's, you know, Steve Buscemi's in it. Um, Michael Madsen's in it. Is Michael Madsen in it? And Michael, Harvey Keitel's in it. Someone else. John Turturro turns up. They must be a lot of fun to make these films. What, the they, all, films? they all come back, don't they? Time Adam Sandler's meant to be the nicest man in Hollywood. And, and you know he is because he made uh, two grown-ups movies, which are two of the worst films. Mm. The first grown-ups movie was so awful. And then I thought, um, nothing's going to get worse than this. And then um, uh, there's something backing up there. But there's a guy on his phone! Uh, no, it's fine. He spotted it. Oh. God. Um, so that could have been some live reporting. Get all your news here. Get all your news here, especially if it's specifically uh, the entrance to Hyde Village. Yeah. Uh, Fubar Radio, the home of news. So they made he made Grown Ups, which was awful. Which is basically it was um, uh, him, David Spade, uh, Chris Rock, uh, yeah, Kevin James, who's basically a Chris Farley substitute. Uh, and uh, Rob Schneider and it was them basically going on holiday with their hot wives and that was the, the plot of the film was basically the plot of the shoot 
which was, you know, they just basically put out sun lounges and sat on, <laughs> sat in a nice location, drinking beer. And the, They've got good catering on his sets. The catering's going to be, like, there's the director, Dennis Duggan, who does, like, most of his films, or did, like, most of his films. I don't know how many he's done recently. But he works with, like, three directors on rotation, and Dennis Duggan is one of them. And they're all, you know, there's loads of photos of Dennis Duggan directing films. Um... Adam Sandler movies and he's always got barbecue tongs in his hands and wearing an apron <laughs> <laughs> you go right that's good. I think that was I think that was the set of Grown Ups 1 um, and it's kind of like you know yeah right but they all come back and um, and basically uh, Adam Sandler you know he so he produced with Happy Madison like David Spade's uh, solo movies so what did he do he did um uh, what was that one when he was an actor? Oh my god, he was a child actor. That oh, I think he's in there. Dickie Roberts, former child star. And then what was the other one he did before that? Though? Oh, oh, Joe Dirt. Well, Joe Dirt is a really. Uh, I really enjoyed Joe Dirt. It's not a really good film. It feels like something's missing in the edit. But um, when you compare it to Joe Dirt too, oh fucking hell, that's not even a film. <laughs> and that's another one that's like two hours long. Where you go, Why is Joe Dirt two two hours long? It's fucking. You know, Joe Dirt was like seventy minutes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is what we would do if we were go- if we were making it exclusively for Crackle. Not even not even Netflix. It was like this, <laughs> I don't know what Crackle is. It was a TV channel. It was like you know, it was like a Netflix equivalent that's available <laughs> exclusively in uh, uh, Texas and um, it was kind of so Joe Dirt 2 is the thing but like so so he produced and then he produced The Animal and Juice Bigelow from Rob Schneider and then he produced a film called Benchwarmers that starred Rob Schneider and David Spade and Napoleon Dynamite uh, John Hedder uh, and it's kind of like so he made all these films and tried to launch all of their careers and, 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 and you know and they've got great careers as well mm. you know. I love David Spade I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a single th- bad thing about David Spade but um but yeah so he's he's trying to and then and then that didn't really take off them and then it's just like well I'm Adam Sandler so then he just starts making these films where they all just get to hang out together for a a glorious summer yeah and on all of his locations they're like do you know what I'm gonna make a film in Hawaii with Drew Barrymore she's nice and then he gets to make a film in Hawaii with Drew Barrymore (laughs) oh look Rob Schneider's in it and there's Dan Aykroyd do you know what I mean it's just kind of like so he does all this stuff, and so the, so Grown Ups One was just basically an excuse for him to have a holiday with his, you know. and then Grown Ups Two. I, I mean, oh my God, it's so much worse. It's like <laughs> so much worse than the worst film you've ever seen, and um, it was to the point where um, I was I, I must have watched it about four, four or five years ago, and I was watching it with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, she was, and she's an Adam Sandler fan as well. And she was like saying, "Just switch it off." And I said, yeah, "They're just introducing the characters. They're just introducing the characters." There was like a scene with Adam Sandler and a scene with Kevin James, and there's like a scene with Chris Rock and a scene with Davis Bailey. I said, "They're just introducing the characters." And she said, "Nick, it's 45 minutes into the film," <laughs> and you go, "Oh no!" And they've literally done a scene each. To introduce, the they haven't even met up at this point. You go, oh fucking hell, it's fucking <laughs> appalling. Um, yeah, why are we talking about that? Oh, the ridiculous six is that only just going. And people say he's really lazy, but it's just like he must have had to. He would have had to get up. It was a, a period western. 
you know, and it's like, and it looks, it's got the budget of a Western. It's an incredible budget. It's like they spent the money. It's like the first, I think what happened was uh, the Sony leaks have, we must have talked about this before. Sony leaks happened and he had a script for Ridiculous Six and it was ready to go. And it, they, they were going to make it with Sony Columbia and then uh, that fell through. And so he signed a Netflix deal. They said, what have you got? And I said, I've got this Western. And they were like, brilliant. So they made it straight away. And, um, and then it's like, but people say he's really lazy, but it's just like, he, he would have had to write the script. He would have had to turn up every day on set. And he would have had to get into hair and makeup because he wears a wig in it. And, you know, it's like all of this stuff where you go, if he was lazy, <laughs> there's, there's easier ways to make the thing. It's just that they didn't write any jokes. And it's awful. It's just awful. Well, there's, they've got one joke, which is a running joke with a donkey that's got explosive diarrhea. <laughs> Sounds go, quite funny. It's, I mean, it's not. Right. Imagine a donkey with explosive diarrhea. I'm imagining it making me laugh. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, uh, but then imagine it's not funny. <laughs> And it's, a, it's akin to watching a, a poorly donkey in a donkey sanctuary. Um, and I think Rob Schneider plays a Mexican in it, so it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you go, come on, guys. <laughs> come on. I know he likes doing sure, the accents. He does like, he does like doing the accents, but um, you just, you just got to yeah. keep up to date with the time, don't you? Um, which, yeah, so he just makes... <laughs> so these films are... Oh, I mean, uh, so what did we say? What did I see? It was the uh, murder mystery. Did we talk about murder mystery a couple yeah. of weeks ago? So there's a new Adam Sandler murder mystery film on Netflix. Did we talk about it? We oh did. yeah, oh, yeah. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, right? it's middle of the road, like totally. You know. But it's it's the best one he's done. But it's kind of like, which is why his Netflix special is so incredible, because. You know, everyone says he's lazy and he doesn't try anymore, but he turns up for work. And I think of... stand-up's a very hard thing to do lazily and get away with it, whoever you are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think if you do a bad one, you'd come back and people would be like, what? Like if Eddie Murphy said, I'm going to do a stand-up special next year, I reckon he'd have five minutes grace. Have you seen the Netflix specials? No. Most of them are lazy. Most of them are just kind of like they've scraped something together in a week. Well, I think that, but I also think like a lot of them can, they can fail though, right? Even in front of their audience. Yeah, sure. But I mean, the Kevin James one is really kind of lazy. It's just kind of, you know, they film it in one evening. He's, you know, worked, cooked up some material in the clubs, what, over a fortnight? And then he's come in and he's done it and he's got paid like 10 million or however much. I don't know how much Netflix is paying. Yeah. But Kevin James wouldn't have done it for not a lot. And then the Adam Sandler one is kind of like, they went above and beyond. It's just they yeah. put so much work into it because this is his thing. But it's an hour and ten minutes, so I wonder if it's not part of his Netflix deal. So he signed a deal to make loads of films for Netflix, and then uh, he said, well, I've been touring, so maybe I sell that to Netflix as one of my... And they said, well, you know, Netflix specials are normally an hour, and you're contracted to deliver us a feature, which has got to be over an hour. So he's done his Netflix special as an hour and ten minutes, and it counts as doing a film. But, you know, you say, like... It's nice that you get to see that in different environments. It's well, incredible. Right? It's just incredible. It, it made me want to start doing stand-up again. You mm. know, it was just like... Are you furious now? Uh, furious. I mean, it was like <laughs> a moment. I watched it five times in a fortnight. I just thought it was incredible. Um, but... Um, 
uh, but then you say, I think that stand-up is kind of like you know what you've got with stand-up. You perform stand-up in front of an audience and they laugh. And it's not that I think that it's easier not to be lazy. With, no, it's harder to be lazy with stand-up. I think that... Oh, it's, I suppose it's harder to be lazy with stand-up because you have that instant reaction. But no one is setting out to make a bad film. The amount mm. of work and effort that goes into it, no one's setting it out. And then it's a lot of the time... Um, you only, uh, uh, I watched an interview with one of my favourite directors this week and he was saying that most of the time uh, he was saying that most of the time um, he uh, doesn't know what he's got until he gets in the edit yeah I think I think that that's pretty much true kind Mm. of like everyone everyone tries their best but then you would think with that you would be like (coughs) Adam Sandler would be in the edit going do we need a scene where John Turturro gets taught baseball in a film I think it's that's the, two and a half hours already I think it's the highlight of the film and that um, he's also <laughs> play, the, one of the problems is he's playing the straight man in it yeah Adam Sandler is so it's kind of like you can't really do much about the fact no. that he's the main part and I suppose if you're doing a thing and you've basically cast all these genuinely brilliant actors when Luke, you're watching Luke it back, Wilson's in it Luke Wilson's brilliant. I love Luke Wilson. I love Luke Wilson. Okay. He's my... Um, I don't know which is my favourite Wilson brother. I don't. I don't. I I, uh, I think Owen is my favourite, but I do have a lot of... I, I think I... I'm I think more Owen disappointed with Owen. Yes. Do you know what? Because I, I think for a time, Owen Wilson was just in, like, films that I thought were brilliant. Mm. He did about five in a row that I was like, love this guy. Love this guy. And I think now he's... He struggles. He struggles to be in things I like. Whereas Luke Wilson is even good in My Super Ex-Girlfriend. Haven't seen that. Fucking hell. What a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking hell. I mean, but he's good in it. Um, so there's this uh, John Turturro movie. Uh, that, that Really weird, but yeah. I, do you know what, though? I'm reading this and I'm I'm looking forward to it. My brain is very much like... I'd love to see that, yeah. Co-starring Bobby Carnavale. 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 Audrey Tatal. 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 John Hamm. Hamm. Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. And Doctor Who, Peter Davidson. Peter Davidson, that's nice. (laughs) Lovely, lovely to see him. Lovely to see the Doctor at large. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, we both laughed. Oh look, we're 34 minutes in. Right, right. Um, this is easy. Play a song, play a song. <laughs> Nick and Nat's fan club. On Fubar Radio. Yes, spooky stuff there. <laughs> um, oh, chilling. A chilling. But you were saying that you watched Inherent Vice at the Prince Charles Cinema, mm-hmm. and did they talk to it? No, because I think it's only going to be certain films. Because I think the people, what screen was it in? The big, the small big screen. One. Big oh, one. Big one. Was yeah. it packed? Uh, it was busy. It wasn't sold out, but it's very busy. Mm. Interesting. Mm, it's a nice. It's a nice film. Um, I've not seen it, but I would I, I would like to see it. Hmm. But as soon as I heard, a lot to enjoy about. I heard it was like a medium film. Yeah, it's probably a, it's probably a bit too long, but it's, there's a lot going for it, a lot to like about it. 
good. Yeah. Well, I'll, good I'll, I'll watch it at some point. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure I'll get. I'm sure I'll get. Around. I'm very tired what, today. Oh, what, why are you tired? Because um, I got my sofa delivered. I bought, ordered a sofa a few months ago. Mm-hmm. It got built and made and everything. And my flat has got very narrow doorway, so they had to. Should have built it in your flat. Well, they built it in sections, and then they had to deliver it in in bits. And um, they said, uh, we're going to deliver it between... uh, We're going to deliver it uh, on Tuesday between uh, 8 and 11. I was just like, I'm not in. And it's it's kind of like one of those things where you go, I have to be in, right? I've got to let you in. I've got to let you into my flat. So I've got to be in, but, you know... I'm not in, you know, surely it should be about like when it, it when should be a conversation, in, yeah. right? And then they said, uh, well, what about, um, uh, and so I phoned them up and I said, I can't make it. And they said, okay, we'll work it out. And then uh, one thing led to another. They arrived at 6.30 this morning to uh, <laughs> to erect my sofa, but they said 6.45. So I set my alarm for uh, 6.30 so that I'd be like at least awake and I woke up and I'd missed like loads of calls and it was kind of like come on dudes but I'm tired I went to see Kiss the band Kiss last night the band night. Kiss on their final farewell tour ever uh, what's the name of the tour called it's called the final uh, uh, the final tour ever end, end of the road tour is called I think yeah oh, on end the topic of the ro- end of the, the road world tour, tour and I think they're finishing in Europe and they've got like uh, three or four dates left and I've seen Kiss a few times and um, where do you stand on Kiss Nick because I always feel like you don't really or you like you like Ace Freely but you don't really like I love Ace Freely. There's an amazing. He's interv- not in the band now. Though. There's an interview that you should watch that everyone should watch now, and I'll wait while you Google it. There's an interview called um, I think it's the Tom Snyder Show, and it's from uh, the 1970s, and yeah, Kiss Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. And it's on YouTube. And basically, you really get the dynamics of the group in the 70s just before they split up. I think it was after their solo albums. I think their yeah, solo albums were 76 or 78, I can't remember. And um, and basically, you Ace Freely, who had all sorts of uh, substance problems. And then there was Peter Chris, uh, who was... Ace Freely was the lead guitarist. And you had Peter Chris, who was the drummer. Then you had, on the other side... Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons' bass player, Paul Stanley, the other lead guitarist and lead singer. And Gene Simmons was sort of like the lead singer as well. And the, But they all sang songs. Um, and um, they were sort of like the businessmen. And you watch this Tom Snyder interview from the, like 1978 or 79. I think Ace Freely got fired or he quit, depending on whose version of events you hear. In uh, 1980... And Peter Chris left in 1980, and basically the reason why they all wore makeup was so that they could be easily replaced, or if anyone died, or if they got old, they could basically just keep chugging the brand out. From so was it always Gene Simmons' band, and he assembled Gene Simmons and Paul Paul Stanley? They knew each other for a long time, and then they 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 put the band together, and they hired Peter Chris, uh, and then they found Ace Freely. I think that's the order it happened, and then, but you know. Anyway, you watch this thing, and Ace really just comes out of it so well, and 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 Peter Chris is kind of quite sweet, and then you've got Gene Simmons, who is either in character as the demon, or he, um, I don't know, he just he's just 
Oh, he's just being an asshole. But I mean, it's just he gets like he does the thing that my dad does whenever anyone interrupts him during dinner, which is uh, like he'll be monologuing, and then you'll say, "Oh yeah, but what was that like, Dad?" And he'll go, oh. and then he'll be upset that someone's interrupted in mid-flow, and that's what Gene Simmons does in this whole interview. And you go, "Oh my God, <laughs> stop, stop doing that! What are you doing that for?" Um, so. It's kind of like interesting, but um, yeah. Uh, th- so as a band, I, well, as a, the thing is with okay. So with Alice Cooper, what you've got is you've got like uh, there's all these influences from vaudeville, uh, and he knew um, and and magic tricks, and uh, you have kind of like a morality show, like a morality tale told. Mm-hmm. That. And it's obviously he's quite a complicated man because he was doing this show when he was alcoholic, and then he cleaned up, and now he's Christian. And the show still works, you know, but it, it hasn't changed loads, but it kind of, it still works. It's kind of, mm-hmm. it, it's gone from, like, him punishing himself on stage to him kind of, like, morally uh, guiding his audience. Yeah, he's, I don't know. He's not guiding his audience, but do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it works in both kind of contexts. But it's got all of this, like, layers to it, and at the end of the day, it's kind of like a funfair show, right? Mm. But he's singing songs about... Uh, necrophilia and uh, alcoholism and going crazy and uh, uh, you know being locked up in an insane asylum and then also there's uh, songs like Dwight Fry where he's referencing the actor that originally played Renfield in the original Dracula and um, you know uh, he gets his head cut off and uh, he does sort of like these school anthems and stuff and you go right well there's loads to unpack there plus he was mates with Groucho Marx Salvador Dali uh, and uh, and he was the biggest rock star in the entire planet in 1975, right? And then you've got Kiss, who sing about fucking, and they sing about their penises. Whilst wearing makeup. And they said, well, Alice Cooper's the biggest star in the world. What would be even more successful than that? Four Alice Coopers, right? And so, and so what you, when you watch Kiss, um, it's all very hollow and empty because they, they've obviously been influenced by lots of people as well as Alice Cooper but they haven't been influenced by the people that Alice Cooper's been influenced by Mm. and Kiss is purely a money making scheme so Gene Simmons always said Kiss isn't a band Kiss is a brand right they sell Kiss coffins they sell Kiss condoms he says uh, 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 Kiss will help you come and will help you go or something like that that's his sort of right thing right and so they basically from um Birth to death, Kiss have got you covered in terms of merchandise. I think it's really funny. They sell these like cute like uh, vinyl pop figures of Gene Simmons and stuff, and uh, and it's really great that you can now buy like a cute little vinyl plush toy of a man that's probably fucked your grandma. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like this. It's just this. Is this, this? Is I just find it all bizarre. So, um, so. So Kiss really don't have any substance to them, and I was uh, I watched them last night, and uh, they were great. They were exact. They were great. It was like watching a firework display at Disneyland, right? Um, why two? I've got so I've got a tea and a coffee. I've got two teas and two coffees now. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, when we were doing two pre-records back to back, we couldn't couldn't <laughs> couldn't get a drink, love nor money. If I'm using that phrase correctly. Never used it before. <laughs> so yeah, so they're really weird. Um, 
Also, Paul Stanley has got to be the weirdest frontman of any band ever. Because, what, I think he's 68 now. Uh, he still looks great. He's in great shape. I was um, going to say, still looks great. Still got the white <laughs> makeup on his face. But that's why they've done it. Oh, well, we met them beforehand. I, um, so uh, we got backstage, we got, like, meet and greets. I went with, basically, I did a podcast for, some, for someone... Um, a couple of weeks ago, and as a, as a thank you, they said, do you want to go and see Kiss? And I was like, oh, okay. And we went, and um, he knew someone that knew someone that got us, like, meet and greets. Sorry, am I boring you? <laughs> um, he knew someone that knew someone that had uh, meet and greets, and so uh, we went, and then, you know, you queue up for 45 minutes, and then you meet him. And literally, uh, it was... Uh, they were on stage at eight thirty, and we were still queuing up at eight, eight fifteen, eight twenty. Wow! And then we met him, and we get there, and like Paul Stanley's looking around, like going, "Fucking hell!" I mean, yeah, 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 yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, keep going. There's like a queue of people who go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," but he's obviously going like, "I've got to do all of the heavy lifting tonight," because Gene Simmons is kind of like he's a he's a presence, and he does his own. He does he has his own songs, but the majority of the songs are Paul, uh, and he does most of the audience. Um, uh, interaction, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is all awful. It's kind of weird because uh, Paul Stanley's sort of stage persona is kind of like um, uh, like a Vegas showgirl, right? And then he, when he talks, he basically it, it's like um, he's doing kind of like. Um, <laughs> It's like he's doing uh, an old female Jewish actress doing a one-woman show off Broadway, right? And he's sort of like has Paul like, Stanley wears the kind of lipstick as well, right? He yes. he's got, but but he he mm, he uh, he uh, vehemently uh, denies that uh, he's uh, homosexual, which is fine. It doesn't matter, right? right. But. Um, uh, but he is the, he's the campest man in heavy metal. Is um, kind of but isn't that sounds quite a good character, right? For for Kiss that you were saying were quite bland. Uh, but and it's, don't have but any. it's it's um, oh, I don't know. But the crowd. So one of the things that I actually quite like about Alice Cooper is he doesn't talk to the audience at all. Right. Because I saw him once, like fifteen twenty years ago, and it was it was ugh. And then with Paul Stanley, he does talk to the audience. But he talks to them like they're idiots. So he's like, you know, he's like, there's a bit when he goes into the middle of the audience, and you think it, but there's no irony. He's like going, "I'm gonna come out into the audience, <laughs> and you've gotta invite me." And you go, "All right." And then it was like, "So say my name," and everyone goes. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> like that. They always say that. Everyone goes just his first name, and they, they don't say, go. Yeah, no, Paul Stanley. They don't even say he's Star Child, right? They go Paul, and he goes, "You need to be a little louder." And he was, and he wasn't. He, there was something wrong with the way he was pronouncing words yesterday because he kept like saying, "Good evening, Bundan." <laughs> Bundan. Yeah. And we were like going, is he saying Bundan? And he going, what's up, Bundan? And every time in between each, so each, each song, every time he had to say something, he'd be going, Bundan! And we'd be like, is he saying Bundan? 
And um, uh, he would say, Wah! and you'd go, what's he saying? And then you'd realize he was saying love. Or he'd go, three! And he's like, is he saying three? Because I thought it was starting a countdown. But he wasn't saying three. He was saying sing. Right? So there was just this really weird thing that was going the on. The sound was good in the venue otherwise? sound was awful in the venue. Right. Because, well, I think that basically it's the end of a world tour. And there's been criticisms about Paul Stanley's voice. But it's the end of a really long tour. And, um, uh, and for the, basically they had... Um, so Eric Singer is, is the drummer who, who used to drum for Alice Cooper and is now, like, uh, the drummer in Kiss. Um, <coughs> Eric Singer's uh, harmonies were cranked up really high. So for the first time, you're hearing... First time, you know, you're really familiar with all these Kiss songs, but um, you're hearing, like, the harmonies for the first time because you go, I didn't realise that was the harmony because it doesn't sound like, you know... So it was kind of weird. And Gene Simmons's vocals were, like, cranked really really up, so everything sounded sort of sinister because he's sort of, like, growling everything. And uh, But, you know, it was it was like bells and whistles. They just... They, they did everything. Um, and then they did some stuff that was, like, felt like a bit of filler that they didn't really need. Where you go, why are you doing that song? But, um... Yeah, it's great, but it's kind of like an empty sort of theme park experience. And Paul Stanley's just got crazier and crazier. It's basically, he's like going, You ain't all tired yet, are you? And we're like going, no, you've been on for 15 minutes. We're not tired yet. And then he <laughs> no, it's uh, 8.15. But he keeps like going, he's like going, you want us to leave now? Or do you want us to stay? And you're like going, oh, uh, it really comes across as needy. And because he's got like the white pancake makeup on, it's like watching some, like Baby Jane. Like he's kind of like, he's like going, you want me to weave, do you? And it's kind of like, it's not like, no, you're too old to do this. It's not like, it's getting, yeah. it's like, um, it's, yeah, it's really, yeah, it was sort of, it's funny. Like it every is. time he opened his mouth, it was sure, just like, you just like, this is incredible stuff. Uh, Good evening, Bundan! <laughs> and you're like, fucking hell, Bundan. Um, yeah, anyway, so it was good. It was good, but like, uh, oh, they did everything. They, you know, uh, there was fire. There was fireworks. There was, he was Gene Simmons spat blood. He breathed fire. Uh, there was, uh, you know, bass guitars shaped like axes. And uh, Paul Stanley flew over the whole audience's heads like Mary Poppins. And uh, everyone came out on cranes. Two out of ten. It was. Uh, it was. You know. I mean. There's no substance to it. So it's sort of like it's really entertaining while you're there. And uh, it was a really nice. Yeah. It's, it's a great night out. But also. Um, yeah. It kind of, I don't know. They're Did not, you get any other vibes off them when you got your photos taken? I didn't even look at them. I was, it was so <laughs> stressful. Like I, I came out of it and I was just like, well, I didn't look at two of them. Didn't even see two of them. Um, uh, I, I think I, I got a vague recollection of kind of like glancing over at Gene Simmons and going, oh, God, uh, they look so weird up close because the, the makeup is like, from a distance, the makeup hasn't aged. But and then you get up and it's kind of like, it's like a circle of white on a 70-year-old man's face. It's kind of... Um, but, um, yeah, good. And then we both went to see at the cinema on Monday. Of course we did, yes. We went to see The Dead Don't Die. Uh, Jim Jarmusch's movie, The Dead Don't Die. Yes. And? And uh, I liked it. I really liked the tone of it. 
I liked the tone and the pace. Yeah, me too. I liked how slow it was, and uh, and I miss slow moving zombies. Mm. Yeah, and it really sort of pays off. It's got some quite nice. I mean, all it's got it's very sort of star studded with lots of Jim Jarmusch regulars, but cameos. Very much cameos. Uh, Rizzers in it for two scenes. He's got two. He's got one scene, a proper scene, and, and then he comes back as a zombie later. Yeah. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> but I mean, everyone dies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, spoilers. <laughs> they uh, kind of t- tell you all the way through the fine. entire film that is. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. Oh yeah, my spoiler button. Uh, <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> um, it's um, uh, but uh, it's got a thing to it where they. Constantly, it becomes very self-referential and it breaks the fourth wall. I didn't... And I, I just kept thinking, I don't need that. It's really... It feels like, you, you again, you want to say it doesn't need this, but it's like another element that's on top of it, which you just think, it's fine without it. Don't worry about right, it. Right, so now, uh, every, it's quite self-referential in the sense that Rosie Perez's character is called uh, Josie Juarez mm. and um, Tilda Swinton is called Zelda Winton. Yes. And... Um, uh, uh, and there's, uh, RZA works for WPS UPS yeah, substitute, so, and then there are loads of other sort of like kind of little winks and nods mm. uh, throughout the film, and um, you go yeah 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 yeah, but why yeah, and uh, and it, it kind of like it doesn't particularly add to the film, um, where uh, and it's in a, in a certain place called Centerville, and um, uh, and then there's kind of like. Uh, Steve Buscemi plays a sort of racist Trump Farmer, supporter yeah. uh, that has a hat that says "Keep America White Again," and it's not. Me- I've, I've read some reviews to sort of like try and work out what I think, <laughs> because what what is this film? It's it's a weird film, and people keep saying it says "Make America Make America White Again," but it's not. It says "Keep America White Again," and um, and he's mates with Danny Glover. Mm. Uh, and so it's kind of like so. There's this place called Centerville, which is meant to be kind of like middle of middle of middle, middle of America. America. Yeah. And then there's kind of like um, uh, what's the name of that actress, the young girl, the, uh, Selena Gomez. So Selena Gomez comes uh, is on a road trip, and then she she comes. So it's kind of like all of these different people from these different backgrounds end up in this mm-hmm. uh, 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 town middle American town and during a zombie attack and it's kind of um, or during the end of the world did you take that to be a bit of a joke as well why certainly when they're they're, they're referring to the Selena Gomez as her mates as hipsters but you kind of go I think they're from Pittsburgh and I felt Pittsburgh doesn't strike me as being a cool enough place to have that and but they're still but like they to them they are like the kind of coolest but they weren't from Pittsburgh and the reason they were from Pittsburgh they thought they were from Pittsburgh is because that's where George Romero is from Oh right, okay. And the car that they were driving was the same car that they drive at the beginning of a night, night from the Living Dead. Okay, okay. Night of the Living Dead. So it's kind of like there are these kind of like references where you go, yeah, but there's no payoff to any of this. Mm. Um, but basically, uh, so why is all of the self-referential stuff in there? And then, uh, you know, one of the arguments is, oh, and how do I personally feel about it? I feel like I really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed the film. And I thought about it for a lot afterwards. 
and I just feel like maybe I'm not quite intelligent enough. Either I'm not quite intelligent enough to understand what all of the self-referential stuff meant, or I am exactly intelligent enough and I got it and there's no more to it than that. I think it's that. I don't I think that's how I took it. I think it, I think it was seen as like an extra layer, but it actually isn't needed at all. It's just something to be a bit kind of and I think it actually comes across quite I think it took away from it. It pulled me out of the the sort of tone of the film. Because there's always political stuff that you have in zombie films or mm. horror films in general, but like, not always in horror films yeah. in general, but zombie films tend to have like a political slant. And one of the things that they're saying is that it doesn't matter um, it doesn't matter who you are uh, we're all going to die mm. and when we're dead it, uh, yeah. none of this matters. It tries to poke fun at like people on phones and things, doesn't it? They've got zombies on but phones. But it was so on the nose. Yeah. It was kind of, yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, that was the part of it that I enjoyed the least. But then also people, people are saying that, um, uh, people are saying that um, the reason why they do all of this stuff is because Jim Jarmusch doesn't want you to concentrate on the fact that he's making a zombie film. Right, that he's slightly embarrassed about it. No, no, no. He's like saying that, um, yeah, it's a zombie film and we'll get you in to come and see the zombie film. But it's not a zombie film. Right. And there shouldn't be any tension, and you shouldn't be really paying attention to the zombies because what it is about is it's about all of the politics. So all of those are like devices to drag you out of it, so that you. But then I didn't think the p- politics were particularly kind of like that heavy-handed. No, they're really not. But he's like talking about the fact that there's po- you know polar fracking and stuff like that. Mm. And nobody really knows what. Fra- I had to Google fracking because I've obviously heard about fracking mm. for ages, but I didn't really know what it was. Um, and I googled it and I was like oh yeah right yeah but it still feels like it's quite political with a small p it doesn't feel like it's a big like it's making any grand statements it just feels like it's political in a way that anything in, in, like like you would get in sort of zombie films Not, it doesn't feel like it's trying to do like a big smacking you over the head with anything I think he's like going um, oh yeah well um, I'm going to do a zombie film yeah because they're all the rage they're very mainstream but do you know what I'm going to make mine political and yeah well, yeah, like George A. Romero did. Mm. And he's referencing that all the way through, so it feels like that's his reference point for zombie films. And that and the Romero films don't feel outside of what Jim Jarmusch does anyway. It feels like it wouldn't surprise me at all to think that he was a Romero fan or something. It feels very much of the same sort of school. But this, but but it feels like he thinks that he's doing something really kind of like overtly. Yeah. And you go, oh, I think most. Um, Zombie films are political mm. in some ways. Is this uh, based on interviews or something? It feels like an odd. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that feels like a really odd way to look at it because it feels very Jim Jarm. It feels like well, no, just from watching it, you're watching it and you go, "Well, he's being political." Yeah, but it's in kind of like a bit of a ham-fisted way. Whereas when you see uh, Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead, it's kind of like, yeah, it's about consumerism. Mm. And when you watch a Day of the Dead, you go, it's about um, uh, America's relationship with the army. And when you look at, uh, and, and Reagan era coming in, and then when you look at um, uh, the original one, it's kind of, um, although uh, the, lead, the lead guy who is famously, uh, so it was during kind of, it's a black and white film and it's about the zombies and it's about kind of. Um, this is Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, it's about the civil rights movement and stuff like that. But the guy that plays the lead, who's a black guy, um, was only cast because he was the best person for the job, as opposed to... They yeah, they it. weren't trying to and make when, a point. And when they cast him and he was black, what they found was that it actually um, did this 
whole other job that the film yes, wasn't yeah, in, yeah. hadn't intended. It did this whole other job that made it very kind of like political for its time. Mm. Um, that they hadn't even intended, and it was just to do with casting. Um, so, but yeah, zombie films have always had that element to it. So the Jim Jam, and they've always been kind of like, oh, I get what you're trying to say here, but with Jim Jam, I mean, it takes quite a bit of unpacking if it's worth doing it, and I'm, mm. not, I'm not entirely sure. I think it also feels like what it is. It feels like a, like a Jim Jarmusch zombie film, and that's what it, that is. And without of, the self-referential stuff, yeah. it would have been perfect. Yeah, I think so. Because it would have still been political, and it would still been all these other... Yeah. But I don't understand what that added. And even if it is super genius and clever, what did it add? Mm. Because it was an enjoyable film without yeah. all of that. Yeah. But um, we saw it in quite a busy cinema, didn't mm. we? Quite a big, busy cinema, and... Um, and it got some laughs, but mm. like all of the poster quotes are saying it's the most hilarious zombie film ever made and stuff. And you go, Whoa. I think it's like I think it's like Jim Drummond. It's very it's very amusing and very like yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's like a sort of chuckly like yeah. <laughs> and it definitely I can't remember them, but it had a couple of jokes that I remember like I did laugh at and was like that's really funny. And I like the zombie effects. Yes, me too. And um, yeah, so there was all of that. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think it's worth seeing. Mm. Um, and I like Tilda Swinton's character. Yeah, very much. She was so. like the standout in the whole thing. I feel like Bill Murray, although he is meant to be deadpan, he doesn't really. He's not. It feels like in a lot of films these days, he's turning up with the mindset that he's doing everyone a massive favour. Mm. And you kind of like go, just try. <laughs> just try. You know, you've got like a few more big films in you, maybe, and just try and kind of like knock them out of the park. But I don't know. Um, right, so we're going to play your song now. Damn that television! What a bad picture! Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio. Uh, we're joined back in the studio live with the one, the only, Davey T. Davey T! Davey T, David Trent. Wavy Davey Trent. Returning guest. Second tech, second time. Have you? How many other guests have done the? Done the Mark Smith. A uh, couple. Uh, talking to your microphone. Talking to you. How is that sound into you? Oh, that's better. That's better. Yeah. Mark Smith, me. Uh, we've had the drunk women twice, but we've had different combinations. The drunk women podcast. Yeah. What do they? What's their podcast called? Drunk women solving crimes. Uh, drunk women solving crimes. Yeah. Oh. Good. Uh, we've got to do some fan mail. Uh, oh. We're going to do some fan mail while you're here, David. I've got fan mail? No, no. No, of course not. When you play a little riff like a thing like that, do we still talk over the oh, top of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sound bed. It's a sound bed. This is um, John uh, Barry. Probably you as well. There you go. Hey, uh, love the show. You are both tops boys, and I enjoy hearing your eternal thoughts on John Carpenter every week. Mm, every week. <laughs> oh, we don't do it every week. Are you enjoying summer? It's not really for me, to be honest. I'm a winter bay. Lots of love, Stallone. Wonderful. Wonderful. And then, hello, I enjoy the show. It is quite a nice listen, mostly if... Um, what? Hello, I enjoy the show. It is quite, quite a, a nice, nice listen, listen, mostly. mostly. Oh. If I was to come on the show, I'd talk about gardening and canoeing, as well as the works of Lucifer Valentine. That person must really like gardening. They must really like gardening. My favourite films, they sound very interesting. If that's what they talk about when they're coming. 
Come on, guys. That was my. F- if I was to come, bought the joke on the show. Yeah. Yes, I talk about gardening and canoeing as well as the works of Lucy. Is that what they talk about when they're coming coming on the show? Doesn't really scan, does it, David? It does. Because my come, favorite films. And he's off again. My favorite films of his are Black Mass of the Nazi Sex Wizard, Slaughtered Vomit Dolls, and Slow Torture Puke Chamber. I desire to know your favourite one. Best wishes, Lucas. Bye, bye, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Afternoon. To, no, I haven't. I've not actually uh, seen any of those films. No, either. I don't know if they're real films. Are I think my favourite would probably be uh, Black Mass of the Nazi Sex Wizard. Uh, <laughs> now, this is from uh, nickname K N I K N A I M E. Afternoon delight, five stars. The Milky Way's star, the Milky Way's star mass is estimated as having 100 billion solar masses, or 100 billion times the mass of the sun, averaging out the types of stars within our galaxy. This would suggest there being approximately 100 billion stars in the galaxy. This is subject to debate. However, depending on how many stars are bigger or smaller than our own sun, Full stop. As a result, other estimates say the Milky Way could have 200 billion stars or more. This is how many stars I want to give Nick and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club. However, due to the limited options available to me, I've gone with five. That's how you do it, Nathan. So they have, they have spelled, they didn't put any. That's how you, that's how you do it. But thank you. That's how you do it. David Trent. Thanks for coming all the way to Bundon. You're welcome. <laughs> I came all the way to Bundon. Do you like Bundon? I love Good London. Good evening, Bundon. Bundon! Maybe, it's, maybe it's because I'm a Bundoner. Oh, there's another one at the top. Oh, crikey. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> uh, five so star. Great fun. show about the things we love. I would like to hear your opinions on long-running cartoon comedy series like Family Guy. Hate it. Archer et al. My favourite was Home Movies. No idea what you're talking about. Also, also, I would like Nick to call me a cunt. Uh, that's Trevor Distance. Sorry, Trevor Distance. You're only a Wally. Now, <laughs> David, what are you a fan of? It's David, thank you for coming in. You're welcome. It's really great. You're welcome. You come in from Cambridge. <laughs> come in from Cambridge. Did you cycle in? Yes. You cycled in. So you're a big fan of bikes, aren't you? Yes, I'm a big fan of bikes these you days. Wear, you wear bike T-shirts? Well, I do. I, I get given them by my kids as a dare. As for a dare? Father's Day or birthdays or Christmases. They, they give them to me because they think I won't wear them. Why wouldn't you wear them? That's quite a nice T-shirt. Well, they put them... That's my second compliment on this T-shirt today. If I say I hate it, yes. does that bring it back down to one? One, just... No, it actually means it, it brings the score to two, one. So Show what the ca- worst bit of the T-shirt is. Go on. The bit that says ride like the wind. It is the worst bit. You're <laughs> absolutely correct. Because um, everything not, else not, has been written in handwriting. Not yeah. if you realise that it's referencing a Christopher Cross song that was covered by Saxon. Um, what it does, Thank right, it's, it's, it's the shape <laughs> of a bike and it's written the words in about, like, sort of words to represent the things within the bike. Words so to the represent. Tire, well, that, all language is a representation, me, isn't it? It reminds is it? me of At seeing some level, it's just a, sure. 
uh, cow, a diagram of a cow that's being cut up so that yes. you can see all of the bits of meat. I mean, it's basically, it's not like what it represents. The words are just like saying what the bit is. So it's a saddle, saddle says saddle. Saddle on it. The tyre says tyre. Top tube. Good. Down yes. tube. Yes. Seat tube. Snifter. Correct. Good. And then it says tyre, 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 around the tyre. But there's not there's not multiple tires. No, that's what just I mean. Just one tire. That's what I'm saying. I'm not. I don't like that. Where does it say snifter? And it's in hand. There it says snifter. It's in uh, handwriting, isn't it? So they must have been snifter. very tired by snifter. the end of writing that. Shifter. Shifter. Yes. Gear shifter. Gear that's shifter. A, that would be if you had a suicide shifter I mean, as opposed on to paper. a STI. The bell doesn't have bell written on it, though. It's just a drawing of a on bell. On paper, it seems like a good idea bikes, to have him on. Bikes aren't a good idea to be a fan of. They're, they're inherently dull. Do you like talking about them, though? Not really. When you go, do you go into bike shops and I did for a, I did for a, a, a period, a short period of time, but now... I, I don't really like talking about it that much, and I don't really like looking at bikes as much. What's what's changed? I read Grayson Perry's book on masculinity. Oh yeah, that's a good book. Yeah, and it, he said that um, men tend to go for one one th- trait of masculinity mm-hmm. is that we'll overspec everything, and that is very true in what the you bike. Mean? So instead of getting what a like phone, that T-shirt, like no, the T-shirt is just a normal absolutely spec. Well, it is too overspec because it's made out of some sort of riding material that so you can so you can breathe more easily on your bicycle. And what you'll do is you'll you'll buy a phone, but you won't just buy a 32 gigabyte. You'll buy the 64 gigabyte with the and like they go the new S10's got four cameras, hasn't it? And you use that to take a photo of what? I don't know what I'm taking photos of. Let's have a look on my phone. So you're saying like yeah, because I think that like so we, I, I feel I like want that yeah yeah you sort of feel you want that stuff, but it's not like you're actually a photographer that needs any of this. stuff. I don't need a, a 16 million pixel camera to take that photo, <laughs> do I? Do I need to take? I don't. That's a good photo. That's, a that's photo. the one I sent in for. It's a photo. Foo bar to use today, um, and, didn't and use then it. Theo sent back a thing saying, "Can you send me a proper press shot?" Is that um, not a proper press shot? No. So oh. 16 million pixel photo of my daughter's birthday cake. Mm birthday cakes mm. and also do you know what the photos that I like most from birthdays are the ones that uh, were from the shop that are slightly faded around the edges yep. mm. where they've all kind of gone a bit sepia you, you, can't, you, can, you can digitally apply that effect these days oh you can actually and then you can print you? it out so was it the book that made you uh, have a <laughs> it's called a flitter a, f- a flitter yes a flitter on an- Ansdegram um, was it the book that made you take a long, hard look at yourself? Was that what it did? Well, he talked about how men are buying nine and a half thousand pound bikes mm-hmm. when they're not, they can't compete at that level that would be able to activate yes, yeah. the, 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 the marginal gains of having such yeah. a bicycle. I always think that about like... And um, so what did, but, but you read that book before you got into bikes? No, since. Oh, and so what, that's put you off? It just made me stop thinking, oh, I've got to get a better bike. My, bike, my two bikes mm. aren't light enough and aren't fast enough and aren't smooth enough. But I guess that's the same as car culture as well, right? Where people, you know, get these cars that can go really fast, but they'll never be able to drive them that fast. That's excellent. It's, it's, you just can't... You, you but know. they do drive them that fast in the cities. Who does? The boy <laughs> racers. Oh, yeah. With their fast cars. That's on the A406 late at night. All, over, all over Bundon, they're driving really fast. Late so night Bundon. What did you say? Late night Bundon. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Yes. Late night Bundon. It is late night. Um, okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm really proud of you. I think that you've done really well, like riding bikes, and you've lost loads of weight, haven't you? Yes, I have. But it's not a subject that you're going to convert other people to, is it? It doesn't matter. What um, do you mean we're not going to convert? No, no, no. And also, um, bike, bikes are boring. I yeah. switch off every time we talk about it. But the thing is, you found that thing that you love. I do love And it. I think that what one of the things is, which is weird, because this is what the show is, isn't it? It's about the things that we love, and then talking about it in a way that is enthusiastic. And then other people love stuff, and they, but that stuff is very specific to them. Some guy, I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were talking to me about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm. as if, of course you've seen it. Never seen it. Saw the film, but I've never seen the TV series. But they were talking about it, like, and that's it within their world. You love bikes... And there's an equivalent for someone else. But it's interesting that you love bikes, but you're on a show that is about enthusiasm and you can't really put... You can't even be bothered to put it into words. No. (laughs) (laughs) So here's a question. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Nathan, for you, right? Yes. Have you seen Finding Francis? Yeah, of course. It's incredible, right? Yeah. What is he doing? It's so good. What is he playing at? So Nathan, for you... Go on, just talk about, let's talk about Nathan for you, because when we went on tour, you had it all on your computer and we'd watch it at Yeah, night. I bought it off Amazon. We'd get, it in, we'd get into bed together at the end of the night with, yep. a, with, a, with, a, with a pizza or mm-hmm. a curry. And a legal copy. And a legal, and, and a legal. A legally purchased copy. Of Nathan for you. The series from Amazon and um, well, the Prime. first time I watched it, I was around your house, and you made me watch an entire season yeah, in you, one afternoon. You would like I, I, it, I did that thing where he came over, and I was like, "You got to watch this show," and he didn't want to watch the show. Really, didn't want to be forced to watch a show, and it was the not first when it was thing. daylight yeah, outside. Daylight outside. It was a nice day, like the, like, like today, and um, I said, "You have to watch it. We have to watch it now," and we started watching it, and then the next thing we knew, it was. The end of season one. It's that good. I, 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 everything I've heard. I watched one episode of it. Everything I've heard about it makes me think I'd like it. I think I had an audition to do a UK version of it, and it was quite. I think they were struggling to find the sort of person who would be that person. Yeah. What was it called? Business. It you was had called to go something. Pitch a yes. Business yeah, yeah, idea. yeah, yeah. I had an audition for that as well. Oh really? Yeah. I think mm. they were struggling to find people. I know um, thingy. Who was our guest in the future in August? Uh, Reese James, I think, was also one of the people who got asked to do it. I think they got struggled to make the project full stop. They didn't, I don't they think. Didn't it ever why would you bother? I don't know. That's what I was thinking while I was doing it. I was thinking, <laughs> it was quite hard to come up with ideas <coughs> because Nathan Few's done it properly. But also, Nathan Fielder is so specifically good. Yeah. That why would you do like a. Why would you take that for. I can understand trying to do something. And using that as a jumping off point, but why would you try and do a British equivalent? It's pointless. You might as well just show Nathan for you in England. That would be a start, wouldn't it? They don't show it over here, though. They do. They showed, yeah, it's on um, uh, is it Comedy Central. It's on Amazon Prime, isn't it? It's on Comedy Central. Oh, right, okay. It's not on Prime. You have, to buy, you have to buy it. Oh, yeah. But the, fine, the finale is, is insane. Uh, the, what, the founding Francis? Yes. So is that the last episode ever? I think he's moving on. It's uh, it was beautiful. I cried. I thought it was there's some really beautiful stuff in it. I just thought, what is he doing with his life? What what is going on here? He's a young man, isn't he? 
Yeah, but you've got to. I mean, it's too. You can't really talk about it. But it's, okay, I will watch it. It's insane. I want to watch it. It's the most insane thing. Why I is it I'm, so? Why do you think it's so insane? Because he's just gone so deep into what he's doing that I felt like he. I don't. I, I just felt like it was TV. Do you? Yeah, but I don't. I think that he took it to a, another level of absolute insanity because it's gonzo journalism, isn't it? You don't get involved with what you're doing to that extent. I felt like. Do how much do you like think that he's she doing might it and how much do you think he's always got an eye on... I think he's always got an eye on the camera and I think he is doing it for a joke, but if, if you... I mean, I just also think he's an absolute nut job. He was prepared to get on the sex offenders list for a joke. And he, you know, if he'd have dropped his little key when he was trying to escape from the machine where, which would pull his pants I down... I just feel like they would have stopped it. I feel like that is all sort of the bells and whistles of making a TV show. But if you feel like that, then you're then you're too cynical to be watching it. You should stop watching all television. I think. I that f- they, no, we, I don't think so. I think, I think he was that, going to become a sex offender. I think that the the that joke is that what if there was? I mean, they've made this TV show, but it's kind of like it's like you don't know what's real and what's not, mm. and so it's that it's that not there would be safety. The mechanisms put in place so that he wouldn't end up being a, 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 sex, a sex offender. Yeah, but I don't know. And th- that last episode makes me think, I don't know. Is that what they want you to think? I, th- I felt like that any, that any combination of the people involved in it could have been uh, plants. Well, we'll have to have a proper conversation about it off air when we're not going to spoil it for a nation of listeners well but nathan for you is incredible i think it's the best thing is it is it is it someone who's trying to make art in on television is that what it is is it someone who's committed i think you get that sometimes with comedy do you stand-up comedy you have people who are pushing it to the point where it's a bit like is this what it is but it's not as self-consciously it's not like chris morris who's putting himself deliberately in that Sort of putting what about someone like uh, what about I think someone? it is, but, yeah, but it's I think American it's and slick. friendlier and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's much a, less. What about a Kim Noble, Kim Noble, or someone that sort of thing? Um, is it similar kind of? Yeah, thing but where not you're dark. Sort of, not, it's not a sort of self lacerating. It's right. kind of positive. No, I wouldn't say it's positive. He's, it's kind of like he's created this um, this uh, persona. I don't know. It is. It, it, I mean, he he's, he comes across as very lonely and flawed and all this other. Stuff. I mean, but that's the that's the show, isn't it? It's kind of like he's. Is that a character? Yeah, I so think that's so. A creation. It's meta. And then he did like the the talk show. Um, the, the when he went on all the talk shows and yeah. he came up with the ultimate talk show anecdote by like watching hundreds of different people uh, doing their talk show bits, and then he use sort of like a mathematical equation to work out what the best yeah. anecdote was and they went on and he did this story I think, I think well it, in its favour I think it's very difficult to make me interested in do you know when you haven't seen a show and people talk about it mm. I find that often really off-putting to me wanting to watch it and Nathan Fuse uh, a rare example of something where everyone that talks about it it really appeals to something in my head like I really want to see it but I'm also aware that 
I don't really want to spend money on watching it. <laughs> I tell you what, so it does put me off. I tell mm. you what, well, it's well, still on Comedy Central. Um, I don't have it. One, get some. When, one, one of the things. What separates him from someone like Chris Morris is that um, he's very sympathetic, and you really, you kind of like root for him, and you really like him. And then in this last episode. Um, you know, he's being told that maybe he's not a particularly nice person. It's just kind of like, but I just felt like it did everything. The the episodes are kind of like you watch them in a conveyor belt. They're quite they're sort of disposable, um, but then things that happen in early episodes that come back. But it doesn't matter what order you watch them in. And then these last two episodes, I remember I was watching. I started watching the second episode like it didn't matter out of order and then I got halfway through it and I was just like oh, I'll go back and watch they're like an hour each aren't they mm, half an hour and then the specials are an hour the, but yeah but I mean I'm talking about the specifically the last two episodes what was the one before that I, I can't remember but they, it felt like it was almost like a different series and that they were yeah. really quite weighty yeah well that last one certainly is 21 minutes an episode so they're very short, really. Well, they're, well that's like a commercial... A commercial can, um, you say, can you write down the time of every single episode, <laughs> please? Commercial, that's a commercial series, isn't it? So <laughs> um, it's 22 minutes on Channel 4, and it's um, 28 minutes on BBC. Talking of things we can't actually talk about, I went to see Midsummer. Oh, right. Yeah, Have you, you sent me you, a text about are it. Are you interested in these things? I you am interested. I don't it. want to know too much. But I... I I've got an understanding, I think, of what it might be about. I, I think it's. I'd go and see it again, but and when I came out of it, I thought, well, what? Why did they make it? Why did he make that film? What was his motivation? You mean? Why? Why would you Who's make he? Ari Aster? Why would you make a film that's so close to another film? Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Um, well, would that's you how I felt about Hereditary. Everyone's minds were blown by it, and I was just like, "Have you not seen The Exorcist and The Omen and Rosemary's Baby?" And I've just felt like he referenced like all of these films throughout um, throughout Hereditary, and it's kind of like I, there's nothing in Hereditary that I don't enjoy more in the other stuff, except for that twist that comes in. Like, yeah, I really enjoyed Hereditary. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed it up to the twist, and I enjoyed the twist, and I thought it was great. But then it was just kind of like, as soon as the Ouija board comes out, I'm just like, I'm not interested in this film. But then when the fuck f- this I, film, I really enjoyed the final scene. I thought the I final thought the scene final was scene just was fucking rubbish. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I loved it. I loved it. And I liked all the performers in it. I think I, I was really um, when it came out. I heard very mixed things about Hereditary, and it put me off seeing it. And now, when I'm hearing little bits of it, I think I would like it. And I think I would like Midsommar. I'm surprised you haven't seen it straight away. Well, the you, reason it's I a folk text horror you movie. is because you're yeah. the folk horror movie expert in my life. And I wanted to know whether I should, whether, what I should think about it well, I before think I that's... formed an opinion. But then I had to go and form my own opinion. Oh, no. I know, it's disgusting. Disgusting yeah. letdown. But you have formed an opinion? Yeah, sort of. I think it should be called The Hipster Man. Well, that's the thing about that Jim Jarmusch thing. They keep talking about the fact that there are these hipsters out of town. Yeah. And you go, this is a hipster movie. Yeah. I think that's where there's that thing where I think Jim Jarmusch in his... Uh, I think that... I have a thing. I think I've probably spoken to you about it. That idea of when people talk about hipsters, I, I find it like I'm a hipster. 
Do you know what I mean? By by anyone's reckoning, that's what that is. But there's there's a sort of negative connotation to it, which I think it's like the people that often refer to hipsters now are people you think, but you're a hipster. But this is what we always talk about when we get onto this topic. Yeah. And it's the idea that you're there will be a generation of people watching that film who've got no idea what The Wicker Man exactly. is. And it might turn them on to it, or they might in 20 years watch The Wicker Man and go, oh, Midsummer's a piece of shit. Or not. It's, it's not. Is it a bad film? I think. Did you like Hereditary? I liked Hereditary. Would you say this is better or worse or a product <laughs> of the same man? I'd say it was... Worse, a worse film. Worse film. I'd say it was a worse. It, it was a letdown because I was expecting it to like have everything that The Wicker Man had and then take it to another level. Yeah. And it didn't. It just had everything The Wicker Man had. So did you feel like Hereditary was a bit of uh, a bit of a combination of other films and then he's gone plus this, plus at the end that bit. I really liked it. Right. I'm gonna watch that. I really enjoyed it. I'm definitely it. going to go and see it. Oh yeah, I think that's. I I went to see it and immediately. I, and I enjoyed. I enjoyed. I wait. I enjoyed Hereditary in the cinema, and it fell apart as I walked down the road to get home. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm. I was I was halfway home, and I was like, I don't think I can give it. I don't think I can truly yep. love it. But I did. I would go and see it again. Whereas with um, the Dead Don't Die, I enjoyed that in the cinema except for the self-referential stuff yeah. that dragged me out of it and then at the end we came out of the film and I was just like why did they do that but then over the week I've kind of like tried to work out some sort of deeper meaning to it and it's made me enjoy the film more in retrospect mm. I enjoyed it at the time for the for the non uh, meta movie that it could have been and then afterwards I've gone but he did include it and there must be a reason why he's included all that stuff so I've tried to sort of like justify it whereas with hereditary by the time i got home i was like fuck that i've seen everything in that film before done in different ways uh, done done better and somehow not necessarily better it wasn't it wasn't that i've seen it before but better it was that it felt like a supercut of all of the greatest moments from all of, and the thing is you know it was like it was a devil worshipping film it was a possession movie it was a Ouija board movie it was just kind of like just whoa 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 whoa, whoa. just pick, pick like three less things that you're going to put in this film and do the stuff that you got really well but don't you think there's moments in it that are so well done and so surprising that well there's aim there's that moment in it which really got me oh what the the moment the twist well, is it... Twi no, not... I don't they, well, I they marketed the film as something and then it wasn't. I would say there's a scene in a car... It's incredible. ...which just makes you go, fuck. It's incredible. And, and the, that's uh, good enough and to the, uh, make me buy a ticket for everything he ever makes. And again. the direct aftermath of that mm -hmm. is, yeah. is, is great. Yeah. And then, I'm, honestly, the Ouija board turns up and I'm just like, oh... Yeah, fair enough. But I still think that bit is good enough... To, to make me yeah, a fan. Yeah, but it's so mm. early in the film that the rest of the film is a crushing disappointment where and you go, oh. I watched it in instalments. He's a very young director, right? That's great. That probably makes you better than everyone else. No, it means that I had a different <laughs> experience because I didn't sit and watch the whole Why thing. Why would you do that? Because um, I was on a school trip accompanying 90 children and I had to keep stopping to let them 
um, to go outside and say, get back in your chalet. Or I'd be on duty and I'd say, is everything okay? Get now, get back in your chalet. You know, that variations on getting back in your chalet. Hmm. And then I'd go and watch a bit more hereditary. And you'd come out again and take Come out again. No one out of their chalet. Nothing for me to say. <laughs> Back and watch a bit more hereditary. Fall asleep because I'm absolutely exhausted because I've been shouting, get back in your chalet, chalet since yeah. six o'clock in the morning. People have really loved hereditary, though, so maybe it's the sort of thing I should I, watch I think I, I heard quite... Have you uh, not seen it? ...disparate things. No, never seen it. I don't... I feel like I get... Mr. Horror over here. No, I like... Um, you I need don't, to re- re- but I you like can't to say I like folk horror. I don't like all <laughs> horror. I like folk horror. You haven't watched Midsummer. Is it Midsummer or Midsummer? Midsummer. That's how I say it. He's going to release he's another a director's cut as well. Of Hereditary? Of Midsummer. Oh. It's something like I, two I, um, hours and 47 I'm, I'm, I'm minutes I'm quite long. up for it. I think I need to... Is John Nettles in it? <laughs> don't believe so. Who's John Nettles again? Is Midsummer, got, Midsummer Murders uh, and Bergerac. I keep thinking that John Nettles, in my head when you said his name, was the guy who plays Boise out of Only Fools and Horses. But they, do they He's have called a, John Chalice. Do they have a similar face? John, no, not no. at all similar you, face. John Nettles has got quite a prickly personality. You don't, wanna, you don't want to get too close to him. And if you do, you need to rub yourself yes. all over uh, John Dockleaf. Yeah, if you, uh. if you approach John Nettles, you've got to touch him from behind. Otherwise, he gets stung. If you boil John Nettles for 30 minutes yeah. with some salt and pepper, yeah. and a bit of stock makes delicious soup. That's uh, also quite folk horror, isn't it? Drinking nettles. Yes, but you probably wouldn't eat it for about six months until if there about was a film six called months after Midsom- everyone else had eaten Midsommar it. Murders, yeah. it would be about John Nettles drinking his own tea and going on a weird sort of horror trip. We are, get- we are making history, boys. Um, we've got Nettles, um, Chalice. Two different, very different. Absolutely, totally different. I don't know. I I know who Nettles is when I see him. Yeah. But I didn't know. I didn't know who he was. Do you remember that episode of Bergerac with the orange juice? No. Oh, it's, it's haunting. <laughs> and like, I had nightmares about it. Well, I think there was two glasses of orange juice and one of them was poisoned. Oh. Uh, don't watch mid. Go, don't go and see Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I find that I find unless I've. Um, I think I get put off a lot of new films that I haven't seen, and I like to. I do like to go in them with a bit of distance and a bit of, like, uh, uh, and that's. I think that's why I quite like watching films that other people haven't seen because I don't feel like I feel I can see them pure and go okay and formulate an opinion on them. I find when things get talked about too much. I, I, it sort of puts me off watching them. It's bloody infuriating. I tried to look up the time of Midsummer, and by the time I I typed it into the Google machine, and I'd had a spoiler just looking up the time of Midsummer. It said, and the twist in Midsummer, there's a twist! You know, you can't go to watch a film knowing there's a twist, because you're just waiting for the twist. I didn't know there was a twist, David. There isn't a twist! Mm. I was waiting for a twist, and there isn't a twist. Or is there? Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Because now there's a mystery. Now there. go see Midsummer. What do we do? Do we play uh, David Trent's five-minute jazz Don't have to play all of it. Do you know what? It's amazing. I reckon. I reckon it will be good. Right. I'm I reckon. Gonna, I'm gonna play some of David Trent's song, and if it's really good, we'll play it all. Well, it go. 
Oh, it's good. Nick and Nat's fan club on Radio. That was really good. Loved it. Thanks, guys. Wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, Worst thing at Glastonbury. We couldn't believe it. They got the sound wrong. And then it just... We couldn't believe it. You've got to give some content for the radio. Polly, my wife. Mick, my son. Ellie, my daughter. It was a... It was appointment viewing. Everyone gathered in the living room. All we've listened to for the last two months is Sons of Kemet's album. We all got ready to listen to it. We were all very, very excited. They started playing, and everyone started shouting, turn it up. We turned it up to 100. We turned up the Bluetooth speaker to 100. It still sounded like it was on 30. It was very disappointing. And then after, it was so disappointing that after 20 minutes, I went and boiled some potatoes instead. Can you imagine? I was oh, so, so you weren't down. at you weren't at Glastonbury. Well, I was at Glastonbury this year. I felt like I was at Glastonbury because I managed to get somehow a golden pass. It's the first time since my son was born, which is 14 years ago, that I was allowed to watch Glastonbury as if I was a football fan who liked the World Cup and the World Cup was on. Why is that? Because Mick's now into music. Just because every year... I've never really put my foot down and said, right, I'm spending this weekend on the sofa watching all of Glastonbury. But this year I was just like, right, fuck it. They're all old enough to do whatever they want to do. I really don't need to be as involved ferrying them around. I'm sitting down on this sofa on Friday. I'm not getting up till Sunday. I'm going on the main stage. I'm going on the pyramid stage. I'm going on the... Uh, I'm going to the green fields. I'm going everywhere. I had my red button and I went all over the festival. Do you think Loved that it. that is uh, an adequate replacement for actually being there? Better. I think it's better. Right. Much better. So I agree. My, so my mum was... Say, my mum loves Glastonbury mm. and she was like saying that one of her regrets was that oh, I've still never been. And it's just like, the two days I went, I'm pretty sure <laughs> it rained so much that I was swimming in other people's diarrhoea. It was just... It was just fucking rancid. Yeah. And uh, there's the weather... Um, there's the sleeping conditions. There's the whole thing. It's just a fucking. I and doesn't everything it. take an, an hour to do anything? Just yeah. to even think about and crowds, things. and you've got to deal with other people. And I just said, to, I said to my mum that I think by just watching it on the TV, you're already enjoying it a hundred percent more than everyone mm. that's actually there. Yeah. And plus, you've got your own kitchen, haven't you? You've got your own kitchen. Also, you can re-watch stuff there and then. There was a moment, we were watching um, Kate Tempest, the poet, and um, we watched it for about 20 to 25 minutes. And eventually Mick said for the fourth time, please, can we stop watching this? Please. I don't understand what it even is. And she's basically doing performance poetry with a keyboard player. And I like her, but it is intense. And it's quite... The, everything is falling to pieces. Um, and so we turned over to the killers. Hang on, how do you turn over to the killers? Well, you press the red button, and then you can choose any stage you like. That's incredible. They do that. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, so wow. you're just going. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's literally like I'll meet you by the main stage, and you can go anywhere. It's great. So then you go over to the main stage. You don't have to walk. You don't have to have a massive plan I, I turned over there was a slight protest from Polly and Ellie who had invested a lot of time oh, in what? it so you all did it as like a family I turned over we watched the killers and then I was watching the killers and they just started and it was very apparent that the guy Brandon Flowers had sort of signed up to do it but had not really any idea what it was he was doing before he'd got there and the look of just like sheer 
fuck me, this is amazing. They seem like face. an odd booking, right? At the beginning of the set, Well, though. the killers. Yeah. Why are they an odd booking for Glastonbury? Because it's like, out, like, I mean, who books it? Like, 45-year-olds? Yes. It just feels like, what a weird band to put on. To headline. headline. It's, to not headline v, it's not V Festival. Bland kind of... I agree with you. I, I, but I'll come to that point in a minute. So for, for, for three or four minutes, he was just jumping around the stage and looked genuinely shocked at what he... And, you know, what do you mean shocked? So no scared. Idea. Like, 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 like he's scared. underprepared. No, just, no, not underprepared. Just He had this look on his face. Have they like, never played Glastonbury before? I've never played something this big. And and realised that everyone would know every word to every song. I mean, it just looked like he was like, "Fuck, this is amazing." Maybe he has, but that's what I felt was going on. Just a guy who'd gone, "Yeah, I'll do that." I'm, uh, the killers must. Have it's just another gig. Videos. I've played millions of gigs, and then gone there and gone, "Oh fuck, this is amazing. I'm really enjoying that." And then it settled down, and it was really quite boring. I think that if you um, have travelled the world and then you're doing like a slightly middle class festival that's in. Uh, Somerset, but who's, who's their audience? Yeah, but do you that know what I mean? Audience. If you're flying down there and you're going there and you're driving down all these little roads and it's kind of like oh, and then you get there and it's, it's all muddy and then you're driving down this little thing and you get on stage and it's just like oh, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. This is this the, is much this better is the than biggest thought, musical yeah. music festival it. that I've been to. This is the best thing. And then your point: who books it? I thought this year was the weirdest, like Miley Cyrus and Kylie on Sunday. There's always someone like Kylie mm. or Paul McCartney or um, ELO, famously. Bob Dylan. Um, on a Sunday afternoon. Did Bob Dylan do it on I a Sunday Bob, afternoon? I can't remember if it was Sunday. I saw Bob Dylan, Tony Bennett. They have like a, what do you call them? A living legends yeah. slot. Yeah, but what is it? They have a legacy, Rolf Harris. A legacy act. Yes. Yeah, Rolf Harris, someone who's got... Rolf uh, Harris, yeah. In fact, he's got his... his um, I saw Rolf Harris. He's got his hand on the nub of youth uh, 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 where was it, it no, was someone who's proved his point he's a, a legend and he'll never he'll never be dampened no nothing will ever dampen our enthusiasm yeah for set by Rolf Harris exactly I what can't remember name the name of the festival that I saw Rolf Harris yeah. at but it wasn't a big one Reading Phoenix it was something no it was this tiny tiny one yeah and who was uh, do you remember a band called the Crockett's no. no, no. My friend Ollie from university. Yeah. Uh, it, his band. It was his favourite band, and he basically had a load of Crockett's uh, stickers. And he everywhere he went, he would put a Crockett sticker. So he was basically pro- promoting the, mm-hmm. the band. And we went to see the Crockett's loads, and they were fine. <laughs> um, uh, and then Terror Vision were on. I can't remember. We, me and Ollie went, and I can't remember who it was. And then Motorhead were headlining, um, but we went to see Rolf Harris instead. Uh, and he was in this, he was in this little tent, and he was singing uh, "Angels" by Robert Williams with his wobble board. And then, as we uh, w- re- he finished, and as we left, we walked through the main field. And I say main field; it was basically in a village green, right? And we walked through the main field and uh, Lemmy was on stage and he was like going, oh, not much of an audience here. Everyone's going to watch Rolf Harris. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, I like that. He was like, yeah, if if he'd have known then what we know now. What do we know now? That Lemmy's dead. Yeah, so. Um, Right, so we got, got, what was the name of that fucking, Pepsi? No, no. Pepsi? No, I can't remember. Pepsi-Cola? Coca-Cola. I can't remember what it was. Pepper 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 Pig? Can't remember. Penelope Pig Stop? <laughs> Hang on. 
Hang on. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. What's All right. going on? Better or worse? Oh, yes. Better or worse? Okay. It's the game you have to say. Is it better or worse? In, based entirely on my own opinion, beginning with Barbara Streisand. Is Richard better. Dreyfus better or worse than better. Barbara Streisand? He is better. Is Julia Louis-Dreyfus better or worse than Richard Dreyfus? Worse. Yeah, I think so. She's a high card. Julia Stiles better or worse than Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Worse. I don't know who Julia Stiles is. She's in the Bourne movies, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Worse, worse. Than she is worse. Julia Roberts, better or worse than Julia Stiles? Better. Better than better. everyone. The best she's actress the best. on Earth. Eric Roberts, better or worse than Julia Roberts? Worse, but worse. he's, he's a very he's high right. card. Eric Stoltz, better or worse than Eric Roberts? Better. 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 I love better. Eric Stoltz. Better. Stoltz? Yeah. Some kind of wonderful... Pulp Fiction, The Fly 2. What was he in Pulp Fiction? He was Lance. He's the guy who, who puts the syringe, the syringe in the chest. With a long hair. Long ginger in a, hair. In a dressing gown. I love Brad Pitt in Natural Born Killers. Next question. True Romance. Best, that's uh, my favourite thing Grammar, ever done. Better or worse Why are you than Eric Stoltz? Because of Quentin Tarantino. Oh. And I don't know who Eric Stoltz is. Brent, uh, who? Kelsey Grammer, better or worse than Eric Stoltz. Better. Worse. He's a Nazi. Peter Cushing, better right. or worse than Kelsey Grammer. Allegedly. Um, better. Better, Peter yes. Cushing? Yeah. Yes. Harrison Ford, better or worse than Peter Cushing? Oh, better. better. Worse. Wow. Um, uh, Seven. I think you should know, think you should know that. that Harrison Ford uh, helped uh, blow Peter Cushing up. Huh? Yeah, but... There is, is better. There's a record on film that he is better. That blowing someone up doesn't make someone better, Nick. That's a bad <laughs> thing to do. That's a bad thing Don't to say. Don't blow people up. You cannot say that people who blow people up are better than the people that are being blown up. He was a space Nazi. <laughs> who was a space Nazi? Peter Cushing. Mm. Ah. He was. He, he was a space Nazi. Cool. And Har- Harrison Ford was a lovable rogue. Fine, he doesn't want to work anymore. And, <laughs> and he treats... Every film that he's in, like it's some horrific obligation hassle. that he's contractually obligated to do. But you know, mm. he was a space pirate. Does he have to him. work? No. Peter Cushing Peter, made a. He, he a created a rose. Man. He created a rose that he named after his 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 wife who died. What's what's it called? The Helen Cushing rose. It was on an episode of Jim will fix it. And nothing will taint my what memory of that. What is the matter with you at the moment? <laughs> nothing will taint my memory of I that. I was thinking that I would like to be... I wish Jim will fix it was still on. Because I would write and ask if I could be a ball boy at Wimbledon and just try and do that. <laughs> a 48 <laughs> I love that. Well, you got seven. seven. You got seven. So you're not as good as uh, Nick Semlian. Or, but you are as good as Lloyd Griffiths, Harriet Kemsley, and The Last Skeptic. Is that all? It's not. Oh, there's everyone else a pre record. Kevin's also headlined Glastonbury in 2007. Yeah, that sounds about right, though. Yeah, right? Well, well, that's that's like... My interpretation was all fucked up. <laughs> but, now but aren't they kind of like an irrelevance? Is that right? Yeah, but it was fun. It was fun. The Compared f- to Kate Tempest being very intense, oh. we suddenly had fun again. Yeah, but the killers have like hits yeah. after hit. Like, no, they have I, hit. No, they don't. That, they have, that, no, they have a number that, of hits. That first actually. album, the first five songs on that album were all number have they one done? hits. What have first they album done? is full of bangers. They've got. Somebody tell me. Indie rock and roll. The, Jenny was a friend of mine. That one, somebody tell me. Somebody told me. Somebody told me. A guy, Mr. Soul, Brightside. But I'm not a soldier. Oh, yeah. Mr. Brightside. Mr. Brightside. Yeah, there's They're all the, the same, like, what's that, two songs? 
That's seven songs. It's very much you can't the, count. Um, That's your difficulty. It's the very much the jagged little pill of the 2000s. But does that is that is that because they're headlining now because of the Spotify notification of music? They also headlined Glastonbury 2007. Yeah, so I know, but then to do it again in 12 years later feels like why now? What's the thing of? Oh, they had difficulty getting headlines. Sometimes this year. what happens okay. is sometimes what happens now is that they'll have booked an act, right, and then they'll have dropped out. Right. And so rather than take a gamble, they will go and they will book someone that's done it before Solid and they'll come in at the last minute and they'll help them out, out of a tight spot. Mm. Anyway, thanks to our guest, David Trent, for being here. Thank you, David Trent. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? What? Um, uh, so what was I saying? Oh, it was Guildfest. It was in Guildford. Guildfest. Uh, when I did the comedy course, one of the guys on that course was the compare of Guildfest. Holy shit, did you so meet him? Yeah. Well, I, like I, I, I know him, I know him, I've got his number, and I'll give it to you after. You can check <laughs> no out. way. Yeah. We did some prank calls. Who was it? Roy Alloway. Oh, no. Um, you I, can uh, always go all the way with Roy Alloway. Um, I thought you were going to say Alloway, someone else. But, um, uh, yeah, Guildfest, it was a, a sparsely populated uh, festival. What year did you go to Guildfest? Must have been 2002. Or 2003. I think it's a big deal now. I think they've really... It was really early, and yeah. it was very sparsely popular. <laughs> Maybe it was their first year. And in between... Say it again. 2004. And in between, there was a, there was a, there was a, 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 a middle-aged woman that came out wearing a muumuu uh, and said, Hello, everybody. Hello, boys and girls. Are you ready for television? And then television would come out. Sounds great. We got, it was fine. It was, but it was like your mum had like uh, organised uh, some bands. I wish I could see my mum in a moo. Anyway, um, thanks, Dave, for coming in. Uh, and we'll, you'll be hearing us next week. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.